0: Hello and welcome back to Conversations with Q. I'm Lucia, Q's Community Marketing Manager, and I'm really pleased to be returning with a second season of our podcast. We had so many fantastic guests on the show for Season 1, and we've got even more on the way for Season 2. So just to recap what Conversations with Q is all about, every week I have a chat with a marketer or entrepreneur from the tech space to get to the bottom of a bunch of things that are probably fascinating you, inspiring you, or downright puzzling you right now. Think how to make decisions about your career, what it actually takes to build a successful startup, marketing tactics you shouldn't shouldn't bother with, the dark side of hustle culture, equality in the tech industry, and more. I'm recording this introduction several weeks after I interviewed our guest. And when I listened to our conversation again during the editing process, it made me really excited to be starting season two of our podcast with this episode. Nat Eliason runs a content marketing agency, writes on all sorts of topics from marketing to self-improvement on his blog nataliason.com and co-hosts a podcast. So far, he sounds like your stereotypical millennial online entrepreneur. But the reason I invited Nat on this podcast is because he's the opposite of that. Nat is someone who really challenges the status quo, conforming to neither current trends nor long-standing traditions, whether that's rejecting the use of social media or quitting shampoo. You can read his thoughts about both of those things on his blog. The conversation made me come away questioning several of my own beliefs and assumptions, and I hope it will do the same for you too. After all, that's the mark of a good conversation. As a little icebreaker, I like to ask guests about their career aspirations as a kid. It's always fun to see how far they've strayed from their original hopes and dreams, or if in some way they've stayed true to their motivations and interests. As a kid, what did you want to be when you grew up? Oh, um... If you can remember. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, that's the question. can I remember that. I, I honestly don't have a great idea uh i probably wanted to design video games honestly i think that was the one thing i can point to that i was definitely interested in doing for a lot of uh being a kid like designing and creating video games
0: okay cool well, i guess you haven't ended up too far away from that like working kind of in the tech space
1: i don't know that's a stretch i feel like i'm pretty far
0: <laughs> you're still creating things that's the main thing
1: yeah, yeah, I guess there's still some, some creative side to it. <laughs>
0: exactly. Okay, so now the ice has been broken, let's go further into Nat's career trajectory once he gave up on the idea of making video games. Nat studied philosophy at university before he got into marketing. Since most people who do arts degrees don't end up in a related profession, I wanted to find out how Nat transitioned between the two disciplines. Could he see any link between them?
1: I feel like any uh, relationship I'd be stretching a little bit you know I I really only did the degree because it was pretty much the only thing at university I was interested in enough to actually see through to graduation you know I was never particularly good student I preferred going off and doing other things outside of class but I enjoyed the philosophy program and it was super lenient in what you needed to actually study to get your degree uh, which helped a lot because then I could take just a bunch of other classes. I wasn't locked into a really rigid schedule. Mm-hmm. Um And, you know, as early as sophomore, junior year, I was kind of experimenting with entrepreneurial stuff on the side, and that was where I feel like I really learned stuff. You know, I think if I didn't have – and there's definitely some back narrative here, but I feel like if I didn't have as much pressure from my parents to finish u- university, I probably wouldn't have. Okay. Um, and so, in some ways, the degree was just like, all right, well, if I'm going to do this thing for four years, I should at least enjoy it. Yeah. Um, and not miserably push myself through something that I'm not, you know, enjoying making me miserable, so... Yeah.
0: Yeah, I think that's the thing is that I guess like with a lot of if you're going to go into business, a university degree isn't really necessary, but, you know, it does. It's a luxury, isn't it? It gives you that time to kind of figure yourself out a bit, develop ideas. Like you said, you were already starting out with the entrepreneurial stuff then.
1: Yeah, it, and there is definitely that element of you don't really need a degree in hardly anything to do what we do. Yeah. Uh, there certainly are marketing degrees, but I think they're pretty much useless. Um, you, know, you can learn more in a couple of weekends of goofing around, um, trying stuff online, and reading a few books than you would learn in a semester, taking marketing classes. Uh, so yeah, it definitely didn't need to be relevant. I think that, you know, I have a lot of issues with college in general. <laughs> I think a lot of people yeah. waste a lot of time and money on it who shouldn't be. Um, but yeah, you know, it, it worked out super well for me, and I'm glad that I went that way with it.
0: Yeah, good. Well, I think you're so right. I mean, you know, and especially because the marketing world is evolving so quickly, like whatever you might learn in a course could become completely irrelevant very, very quickly. Um, And speaking of learning marketing quickly, so you started as a marketing intern at Zapier, which is a really cool tool used by so many of us to connect different apps and automate tasks. So how did you get that internship? Um, And would you say that was a good way to break into the industry?
1: Yeah, I got that internship kind of a funny way. I was, I was a, it was my senior fall, I guess in college and I had started my blog, you know, it's just like nataliason.com and I started that as a way to create some proof of concept for content marketing that mm. sort of you know to show that I could actually write decently well and that people should give me freelance writing gigs because you know my freshman or my senior fall I didn't really have a full time job lined up, um, wasn't really sure what I was going to do post grad yet, but I knew that I liked doing marketing stuff. And at least from doing the philosophy degree, I was a decently good writer to start with. I knew something about content marketing and said, Well, you know, I could try to go this route. And so I'd started the blog and was doing some articles um, and I don't remember who I reached out to, but I reached out to someone at Zapier and said like, Hey, I'd love to do some freelance articles for you guys Um, and ended up getting hired to do like a trial article. Uh, They really liked it and it went up on their site, which I thought was super cool because I was a huge fan of the product already. Um, and I did a couple more articles for them, and then I saw they had this uh, internship posting that they said, you know, hey, we're looking for a marketing intern. And uh, I was working with Danny there, Danny Shriver, um, really, really great guy. And I said, like, hey, Danny, you know, can I apply for this internship? And I think he didn't realize that I was in college because no, really. he, he said something like, oh, well, you know, we're targeting that at college students. And I was like, well, I am in college. Uh, he's That's like, a oh, big okay, compliment. Awesome. <laughs> so, I I don't know if I actually like jumped the interview process or not, but after that it was pretty quick to go from there to getting the internship and flying out to Mountain View and getting to hang out with him and Wade and you know the some of the other founding team and early members, um for a week to get trained on the platform in their process and yeah, then I ended up doing that for my spring semester. It was a pretty awesome way to get into this whole world i think that you know zapier was and still is one of the best content marketing companies out there so it was a really really good initial education
0: yeah it's a great name to have on your cv to start you off um and i think it's really interesting that you've got that off the back of having a blog and an existing relationship with them because anyone can do that, anyone can start a blog, and it's such a great way to have kind of proof of your work and your skills, even if you're struggling to get other internships and things. Nat's CV is pretty impressive. Alongside stints at Zapier and AppSumo, Nat quickly started launching his own projects after university. A series of online courses for marketers, his blog nataliason.com, his company Growth Machine, and also the Meiji Think podcast, which he co-hosts with Neil Sony, I asked him when he caught the entrepreneurial bug and if he could ever imagine working for someone else again.
1: I don't think I could at this point. you know I maybe if I you know was super excited about the company and the founder and I had a lot of freedom within the company, I could uh but for the most part, I do feel like at this point, yeah, that's the route that I am on and will probably stay on is you know, doing these entrepreneurial things, I I, I just get bored very, very easily and tend to quit things rather quickly. And so I need something that's kind of constantly stimulating and interesting, or else I'll, you know, get bored and leave after a few months. So the nice thing with working for yourself and doing your own business and having to, like, figure so many things out is that you never really get bored and you never really do the same thing for a few days. So I think it's just the best fit for my, like, (laughs) ADHD-ish obsession (laughs) with novelty and and new challenges Um, so yeah maybe in like just the right setting I could go back to a semi-normal work style but you know I'm enjoying this and it's working and probably going to stick with this for the foreseeable future
0: yeah definitely and do you always tend to found these things by yourself or work with co-founders
1: um Pretty much, well, I I did do a lot more with co-founders in the past. Um, Now I start most things solo. Uh, Mm -hmm. I just like my first real entrepreneurially experience, um, I had a few co-founders and the whole thing went like super poorly. And I think it kind of burned me on working with someone and splitting equity from the get-go. Um mm-hmm. I'm not saying that nobody should have co-founders, <laughs> but uh, there you know there are benefits and risks. Uh, and I think that you know I'd love to have a really good co-founder on one of my projects, but I'm definitely the kind of person who just likes to start things off on my own and then you know build the team around it. But you know, on the flip yeah. side with my podcast made you think, and, you know Neil and I are really good friends and we just want to start that together and you know we're Evenly split on that and it works out perfectly, so it's not a hard and fast rule.
0: I hope you don't mind me interrupting this interview briefly, because if you're enjoying the topics we talk about on this podcast, you'll probably love what's on our blog too. We're always publishing new posts on a range of topics, from content marketing tips to remote working culture. So far in 2019, we've published two posts that I think you'll find really helpful, The first is a free content planner created for us last year by Dylan Hay, which we've updated for 2019. You can make a copy of the spreadsheet to organise your content marketing goals, ideas and schedule for the year ahead. I've personally been using it to build Q's content strategy, so I can highly recommend it. I've also just written a post on remote working activities for you to try with your team in 2019. As a location independent team, we've experienced the struggles of remote working firsthand. Isolation, low motivation, and lack of communication can really eat away at a company from the inside out. Luckily, there are plenty of things you can do to flip these problems on their heads and make the most of what really is a great lifestyle. If you head to blog.q.co, you can try out our programme of remote working activities and access the free content planner. Back to the podcast. Nat's main focus right now is Growth Machine, a search-focused content marketing agency for e-commerce businesses. In just a year since it launched, it's seen an incredible amount of success. 100K in monthly recurring revenue, five full-time staff, and over 40 contractors. I read that Nat started this business on a whim, so I asked him if he'd ever thought it would get to where it is today.
1: No, I really didn't. It it did start as largely a whim. as a backstory, you know, I had been doing content marketing for myself, you know, for my blog. Uh, um, and that had been growing, growing really well. And I'd been writing about content marketing for a while hmm. uh, and just putting all that content out there for free. And so I built up a bit of a following. I did that for a few sites uh, or for a few companies. It didn't go that well, honestly, uh, because it was one of those things where I could come in and I can set up some of the systems and give them advice and SOPs and all of that. But then as soon as I left, they didn't have the manpower to continue to execute on it. Mm
0: -hmm. And it
1: tended to sort of fall by the wayside or not get executed super well. The the one exception to that was one company where I actually worked with them to hire someone to take over everything that I was talking to them about and then help train her. And they were super successful with it. But the other ones that I consulted on, like, they just couldn't do too much with it. So... Mm -hmm. After that experience, I kind of said, all right, well, I don't really want to do the consultant route anymore, uh, but maybe I can just solve this problem for these companies Mm. by having a team that they can outsource their content SEO to, uh, to just, you know, run and produce everything for them so it's as turnkey as possible. And that's kind of where Growth Machine came from, where uh, I... I had done that consulting, I went and traveled for about three months, and then I came back and I said, okay, I've got these two sites that want me to do this SEO content work again, but instead of just telling them what to do, I'm actually going to find them writers, I'm going to get somebody managing the process, You know, get all their content published, promoted, optimized, all of that, so they don't have to do anything. Mm -hmm. And that resonated much better, and it seemed like it hit on a few of the big issues that companies have with doing content marketing uh the the biggest of which i think is that it's really hard to hire a good content marketer because yeah. a good content marketer can easily make 100 150 grand a year like living on the beach in bali and doesn't need to work for you right mm. and any content marketer you can hire for like 60k is probably not that good um or, well, <laughs> I shouldn't say that because that's going to affect <laughs> people listening to this, but um, I, I don't know, like, I stand by that opinion, though. Uh, the Especially in SEO, right? Only mm-hmm. three or four articles are going to win for any keyword, and so if you're not getting some of the best in the business to, like, help you with it, if you have a like competitive area, then you're not going to win, and you're just going to burn money, and that's, that's what most companies are doing with content marketing. They're just burning money because hmm. uh, they want to have a blog and like, feel good that they have articles. So I think we really hit on that issue that pe- companies couldn't find good content marketing help and they didn't know how to evaluate writers. They didn't know what good writing was. Most people are much worse writers than they think they are. Yeah. Um, and it's so, so difficult. like every, right now, every CEO yeah. thinks they can just like write their blog <laughs> themselves. Yeah. Um, you probably shouldn't do that. So okay. uh, it, it just resonated fairly well people were like, "Oh yeah okay, this is an issue and you know we were getting really good results and we could actually you know point to sites that we'd gotten a ton of traffic to um, and really helped you know grow logs of and it just grew very organically you know I the thing I've wasted the most money on in the last year is sales
0: mm-hmm. I
1: probably spent about ten grand on sales tools and sales consultants and you know testing out sales reps and it hasn't generated like a single customer right every single customer has come from word of mouth from the blog from my network um from referrals like it just all happened very organically because you know i think one we're getting results and two i've been putting out free content and advice on this stuff for years before even starting the business mm. and that definitely built a lot of goodwill and credibility.
0: So you already had that reputation in place and you've kind of identified two things there that you've you hit on a problem that businesses were having and offered solutions to that. Um, and yeah, the kind of word of mouth marketing, which as we know is kind of the holy grail and usually the most effective thing. But do you think there's anything else that kind of sets startups that succeed apart from startups that fail?
1: Well, it, it all comes down to money, right? Mm. Like every, everything else is just a proxy for whether or not you're making money in a sustainable way. Um, and that's been one of the big, I think, realizations from the last year is that it's really, really easy to focus on other things when you're not making money and no one's paying for your product. And if no one's paying for your product, like, you don't have a business. It doesn't matter how many Twitter followers you have or how hard you're working, right? Like, you're failing. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that's been a good realization because I definitely previously had some of that infatuation with the whole... You know, like, oh, we can be like Facebook and just burn money for, you know, years while we get customers or when we get users and then like hope we can monetize them later. Mm-hmm. And obviously that's worked very well for them, but that's not a good model to bet on. And mm-hmm. I just see like a lot of people trying to get into the entrepreneurship of some sort. And they seem to have like a tendency towards businesses that no one needs yeah. because they're easy to like build and to feel like you don't need to make money yet. So, you know, it's like photo sharing apps right? like nobody needs another type of photo sharing app or like a new social media thing to replace Facebook. Right. These are just easy things to like waste time building to feel good about yourself without ever having to, you know, get somebody to pay you money, which is the hard thing in all of this stuff. Mm. Um, and <clears throat> I think that's where a lot of people can end up wasting a ton of time and energy, uh, running in a circle, right? Feeling like they're making progress when you're not really uh, going anywhere. So yeah, I mean, it, it really just all comes down to money.
0: Yeah, and I guess that's the problem, isn't it? People are just copying other people and trying to be the next Facebook, which, let's face it, is a very hard thing to do. Um, So speaking of all this, actually, I really enjoyed your recent Medium post, uh, No More Struggle Porn. And it was really funny because I'd just published a Medium post recapping season one of this podcast, I think, like, maybe the week before. Um, And I'd also been critiquing the kind of Gary vee fueled culture of hustling hard and never sleeping and getting lost in those vanity metrics that you'd kind of just touched on there. So you define struggle porn as a masochistic obsession with pushing yourself harder, listening to people tell you to work harder and broadcasting how hard you're working. So have you ever personally fallen into that trap?
1: Yeah, you know, that was definitely me on the first company that I was working on uh, when I was in college, where you know we went a whole year building this app to uh, you know like help make shopping easier by finding clothes that fit your tastes and recommending them to you, pulling from all of these uh different stores online and you know we worked on it for a year, and there were like eight of us we raised seventy five thousand dollars and we generated less than a thousand dollars in revenue that whole time, right mm-hmm. like it was just a colossal waste of time and energy and money, and you know I, I don't regret doing right because I learned a ton from doing it, and it was a valuable process, but I definitely was falling into that trap of like, oh, I just need to work super hard on this and, and that means I'm making progress or like it's fine to not be making any money yet or not getting any customers or whatever because like we're you know working hard
0: right yeah
1: and i think i at least was not terrible about it but i uh i definitely see it out there a lot with a lot of entrepreneurs like kind of you know it's the entrepreneurial version of virtual signaling right it's like look at how hard i'm working look at how much I'm sacrificing. You see this on LinkedIn all the time. It's like the, the the most abused employee in my company is me. Like if if I were working for myself, then I'd have to like talk to HR about how I'm treating myself. It's like shut up, right? It's yeah. very exhausting and not healthy. Um, and I feel like it's gotten worse and worse. Right for the same yeah. reason that um you know the political virtue signaling has got worse and for the same reason that the like body insecurity has gotten worse and the same reason that follow has gotten worse right? social media and our connectedness amplify all of these things mm. and the 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 strong porn or alexis ohanian called it you know like hustle porn whatever you want to refer to it as right like it just gets amplified by how easy it is to look out at other people in the world, and you can either ignore it and do your own thing and like be happy and healthy, or you can buy into it and think that you too should be on LinkedIn talking about how hard you're working and how long of hours you're working. And yeah. I pretty much guarantee you that nobody who's, you know, on LinkedIn, aside from a few people like Gary Vee or whatever, um, anybody who's on LinkedIn talking about how hard they're working is making no money. Or they're making money getting you to buy things from them about Mm. related to how hard they're working. That's like with Ty Lopez and there's that other insufferable guy. Um, (laughs) It's like that uh, that other Ty Lopez character. Um, But anyway, right? It's like they they make money by getting you to pay them to like teach you how to make money, right? Yeah, like never be taking advice from those people. Yeah. Um, it's, It's not gonna. It's not gonna make you happy it's no. not gonna get you anywhere interesting either
0: no well i think so. you There was a paragraph from this post that i really love um and you say struggle porn has normalized sustained failure it's made it acceptable to fly to bali and burn through your life savings trying to launch an amazon drop shipping business made it reasonable to keep living on your parents money for years after graduation while you try to become hashtag insta famous made LinkedIn into a depressingly hilarious circle jerk for people who look way too excited to be having their headshot taken which is hilariously true Uh, but I think you're right you know with social media we're also fed this kind of unrealistic idea that anyone can and everyone should be starting their own business and be leading this life as an entrepreneur Um, and I don't know about you but I kind of notice a lot of people in our generation will pack in jobs really quickly and I obviously think if you're in a situation where you're unhappy, you should get yourself out of that. And fortunately, I've always enjoyed my job, so maybe I can't really talk. But perhaps, you know, we need to understand that work isn't meant to be a bunch of fun, of fun and games, but maybe it doesn't also need to define us. So as someone who actually has managed to start your own business, like, what do you think of that? And how do you define success for yourself?
1: I mean, I, for me, like, I define success as not being bored. Mm -hmm. right which is maybe a very simple metric but i don't actually care that much about the amount of money i'm making or you know how big my team is or how many customers we get or anything like like, i just care about not being bored Mm -hmm. um and luckily the results of attempting to not be bored tend to result in upward momentum right Mm -hmm. so but that's just kind of like a just like a stroke of luck I think that is one of my main motivating forces. But there's a lot of people who, you know, your motivation is not your work. Or like people are more motivated by security or more motivated by community, right? Like all of that mm-hmm. is fine too. I think there's this really again kind of silly idea that oh everybody should be an entrepreneur. Everyone should be a company of one. You should like put your job in like work as a freelancer and some people don't want to do that and that's fine right? yeah, exactly. Yeah. you don't need everyone to conform to your like life vision or your work vision um and that's where i think that you know it's like james altucher is another one of these like completely insufferable like people who's i just totally full of it he's a terrible person to be taking life advice from mm-hmm. and he kind of says this stuff he's like you need to quit your job you need to like, work for yourself and be, you know, an independent creative. And it's like, most people aren't going to do that, right? Yeah, well, it's just it's, kind of you stupid. Feel... <laughs> yeah, it is. too like, so risky. You know, and that hasn't even worked for him. Like, the guy goes broke every few years, right? Yeah. It's not a good model to follow. Um, and so you have to ask yourself, like, what actually is the motivating force for you? And for a lot of people, it's not going to be the entrepreneurship, and that might be a reason that it's not working for you. Is like if you don't actually want to do it, then don't do it. Like take a job that's fun for you and that you enjoy, and that doesn't you know stress you out and make you miserable. Um, But you know you shouldn't feel like you've got to do what you see everybody doing on Instagram or whatever. Because I I guarantee you that all those people who are like, you know, I'll tell you how to like live your best life and travel the world and like hang out under waterfalls. Like they're making no money. And they're really insecure if they're posting that much on Instagram, and they're like just trying to get validation from everybody who is working a desk job. But you you could definitely be way happier like working a desk job and then having a family to come home to and a dog and a comfy house. Like that will probably make you happier than trying to travel constantly and take cool pictures under waterfalls. And that's the realization that almost everyone who does the Like travel entrepreneur route eventually realizes is they go like oh I don't want to travel all the time I just want to be home and have like a normal routine and you know take a few trips occasionally Mm. but if you can skip to that part and not get sucked in by all the Instagram FOMO then awesome like skip it (laughs) go straight to the being happy with like where you are and what you have part
0: yeah I think I mean that was the conclusion of that blog post i did a while ago for um, q's blog on digital and like everyone said exactly the same as you um so who do you think are some healthy business role models or do you think people should just stop trying to find role models in business
1: uh the guys at Basecamp are really good um david heimer hansen and jason yeah Uh, they you know they definitely i agree with pretty much everything they put out they've got really really great stuff Um, And it seems like they actually, you know, they've walked the talk. They've got a healthy company culture and they seem to enjoy their lives and, you know, make good money and all of that. Um, Peter Levels is another one who comes to mind. So he's the guy who makes Nomad List in remote okay. Um, He's, you know, he's said a lot of good stuff about this. Um, But, I mean, like, as a broader advice, I would just say, like, stop going on LinkedIn and stop going on Medium and probably stop going on Instagram. Like, if you can cut those three things out of your life as an entrepreneur, you'll be way more productive and way healthier. Um, And, like, don't follow anyone on Twitter who seems like they're – like, the more emojis they use in their tweets, like, the more they're probably full of it. That's yeah. uh, like a Agreed. generally good. If, you, if you, anytime you see somebody use uh one of the money emojis, right, you it's want to just inside. like immediately unfollow them. Yeah, um, that's like a really good metric. <laughs> just like I think recognizing that this stuff isn't going to make you do better; it's just going to make you unhappy with what you have. Uh, that's like a really good realization. That was a yeah. big thing about living in Manhattan in New York that I didn't like is that. It felt as though everywhere you went, you were being told that you weren't rich enough or you weren't working hard enough. And that is not a recipe for happiness, right? So the more you can remove those negative influences from your life, the better. And the better you're probably going to do, too.
0: Yeah, well, uh, that was another one of your blog posts that I really enjoyed. Um, Yes, you should delete Facebook. Um, which is kind of warning against the addictive nature of Facebook and diving more into the platforms themselves and how they're designed, um, which is obviously to make money and manipulate our decisions. Um, and I think we're all growing increasingly concerned by the amount of time we spend online and on social media in all aspects of our lives, and you know whether that's in our career or personal life, and the power that these companies have over us. However, there's a slight dilemma if you work in digital marketing where being on Facebook and other social media platforms is your job. So how have you managed that?
1: Well, I just don't go on Facebook. <laughs> okay.
0: But even in, <laughs> I mean, if you're doing content marketing, for example, like, presumably you do have to use social media for some aspects of
1: that. Not really. I, I just let other people share my stuff. Right, okay, it, it's a, to me, it's a complete waste of my time to try to build up an audience on Facebook or LinkedIn uh, when I can just have other people who already have accounts there share my stuff there. Right, like mm. I, I would never want to risk building up a big following on a social media platform because they can just take it away at any time, or they can make you have to pay to get your stuff out to them. Facebook's already been doing this, and so I don't, I don't bother. I never, I never really post my articles on Facebook. I might throw it up on LinkedIn. Um, usually if it's insulting LinkedIn, I'll put it on LinkedIn because people on LinkedIn love stuff that insults LinkedIn for some reason. Um, <laughs> but no, I like I literally just don't think about it, I don't do it. Uh, we do it for our clients, but we have freelancers who uh, handle most of that. So, And I've seen no impact on my content marketing success by completely ditching Facebook, LinkedIn. Um, I still use Twitter because I actually think that Twitter, well curated, is Extra, you know, it's great we don't like meet new people and have cool yeah. conversations. Um, but it's just like, yeah, Facebook and LinkedIn are sort of unhealthy cesspools, and it can be too. But, um, but I yeah, mean, what,
0: I, what's your advice? I don't for, use it, <laughs> for, okay? So, you don't personally use it, but what's your advice for you know, like your employees or whatever that do have to use it? Like, I mean, I have to use social media in my job um do you think that's going to have a negative effect on all those people working in those professions like if we're all spending so much time online like I have to have Facebook open all the time really so where do you see that do, going do in the you know
1: like what is what is that really doing for you well, right because if you write a really really good article it's going to do well whether or not you like post it back on Facebook yeah uh, but it's any more following for... anywhere
0: it's more for like, for example, like we have a Q promote Facebook group, which I manage. So obviously, throughout the day, I'm kind of, ha- I've got to have keep an eye on that and respond to people. Um, and maybe not just social media, but you know, like, as with a lot of startups, everything we do is online. Um, and obviously, that can be quite distracting. and We all know how these are affecting our brains, really. So do you think that, the internet and social media kind of will be the death of us or do you think we're all strong enough to resist it like and there will be a backlash
1: i think that what we're going to see probably is a move more towards private communities Mm. um i think that we're already seeing the backlash towards facebook um and you know we'll, we'll see some of that probably towards snapchat and instagram and There's plenty of backlash towards Twitter already, but Twitter just kind of feels like an inherently different thing because it's not as much of a sharing platform as it is like a talking platform now. Um, But I, you know, I think that we are strong enough to resist, but we won't, Uh, but we will be lured in by these other, you know, these other mediums, right? Whether that's like private Slack channels or Telegram communities or going back to email, Mm -hmm. right? Like I, you know, I, I occasionally organize dinners, right? Mm. And I've found, or you know, small events around Austin. And the best way to get somebody out to something is to text or email them. Like, don't invite them to a Facebook event, right? Nobody yeah. goes there. Um, nobody engages with groups on Facebook the same way they'll engage with an email. Uh, I think we're going to move away from a lot of these huge aggregated platforms, and I'm like excited for that yeah (laughs) bad thing um for society and you know as a content marketer yeah like i don't think there's any reason you need to care about how many facebook likes your stuff is getting um or you know that you need to go on and like try to post your article like five times on twitter at very specific times like that's the kind of stuff that people early on end up wasting a ton of time on when they should probably just be spending that time writing more articles. Yeah, but that's that's almost always a better use of your time than spending time on promotion stuff. It's just like creating more content or trying to make your content better, um, and it'll you know you'll end up rewarded for it. Right, like mm-hmm. all of my most popular pieces have done well with almost no effort on my part. Right. They just get picked up, and then they go somewhere. And if you look at a lot of the best, most popular blogs online, like they're not being super meticulous about their sharing schedule on Twitter. Right? They're just creating good articles and getting rewarded for it over time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that that's like boring and frustrating to people who want to be like super, you know, I need to do this and this and this and this and, this and have like 20-point checklist for promotion for every article, but it's mostly a waste of time. Um, if your content is good. The only thing that does is make bad or mediocre content do okay, but I don't think that's a good goal necessarily.
0: Just another little interruption to say that while Nat makes some really interesting points, at Q, we still believe in the power of building a following and sharing content on social media. After all, we've built an entire company on the success of this strategy. We'd really love to hear your views on this subject. Do you think social media is a waste of time? And how much time do you spend on content promotion versus content creation? Tweet us at Q underscore co or call into our station if you're listening on Anchor FM.
1: Especially in content, we don't need another Tim Ferriss, we don't need another... Gary Vaynerchuk or Pat Flynn or whoever, right? Like, mm. all of those rules are pretty played out. We don't need another person on Instagram talking about how you two can travel the world while working from home. Like, and if that is what you're doing, like, consider switching to something else.
0: It's like, yeah.
1: it's so in, like, it's just overwhelming the amount of the exact same shit going out over and over and over again from yeah. all these different people who are just copying each other. Mm. Um, and yeah like I don't know that doesn't seem like a good way to get anywhere interesting
0: yeah no it's just completely saturated I think now I think that's like a very yeah. um interesting perhaps controversial to some note to end the podcast on um but, uh, <laughs> are there any projects that you're working on now that you'd like to plug or like where any well I guess people won't be finding you on social media <laughs>
1: Find me on Twitter. I'm very active okay. on Twitter. I like starting um, fights on Twitter too, so that's fun. Uh, um, who so doesn't? I'm, you know, I'm just on Twitter at matt eliason. But for yeah, for projects and stuff, you know, obviously if you want to work with Growth Machine, we're just yourgrowthmachine.com. Um, you know, I will say we're expensive. If you don't have a marketing budget of like 25k plus, it probably doesn't make sense for you. Uh, but we've got another service called the Writer Finder which is basically just like a matchmaking headhunting service where if you've got a blog, uh, we can find a really good set of writers to help you create content for it. So those might be the two places I would, I would direct people. Um, and obviously if you like tea, you can check out Cup & Leaf as well. <laughs> That's like cool. the one odd thing in this <laughs> businesses that seems a little out of place. But uh, I really like tea and we wanted to start it and you know, here we are.
0: I mean, I love tea because obviously I'm British, so we all love tea. (laughs) I'll definitely be checking it out. I hope you enjoyed the first episode of season two of Conversations with Q. We'll be back next week with another very special guest. And in the meantime, we'd love to hear your feedback. So please do rate, review and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes.